Welcome to Box Talk, a podcast for affiliates and coaches, powered by Box Pro Magazine. Talk. I have a very special guest. Would you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hello, my name's Val Wright. I'm a global leadership and innovation expert, and I've been crossfitting now for nearly nine years. My goodness, nine years. That's very impressive. I feel like you're you're a veteran crossfitter, so that's I think that's fair to say. Um, but Val, why don't you go ahead and just start with a, your story? You know, I love to kind of hear about how you came into this industry, how you got started with CrossFit, and just we'll go over your journey and, and find out how you got to where you are today. Does that sound good? Absolutely. So I um, started CrossFit. The only way I remember it is it was straight after my first daughter's um, birth. So and she's just about to turn nine. So that's how I can remember. It's nearly nine years. So um, I was getting back um, to my local regular gym and I was looking for um, something that was really going to kickstart my fitness again. Um, And I said to the gym owner, I need a personal trainer that's really going to show me um, the ropes and show me to do how to take something up to a really higher level of performance and he said I know just the person for you it's Nadia Shatilla and Nadia um, who now actually works for CrossFit as training other um, CrossFit affiliates um, was at the time still a personal trainer still had a full-time job Um, and it was Nadia who introduced me to functional fitness who introduced me to the fact I shouldn't be eating oatmeal for breakfast (laughs) I should (laughs) I should eat more bacon for which I am truly grateful to her forever advice she could give yes exactly and so and and Nadia um started as a personal trainer and then she persuaded the gym owner to run small CrossFit sessions in the basement of his gym Mm -hmm. and and we would literally be doing workouts with really thin barbells that would bend (laughs) and we would do step ups on those steps like the plastic blocks that kind of look like Lego and and we would get told off frequently because yoga would be going on next door and we were oh. making too much noise for the yoga people yeah. and so so eventually Nadia got um, asked to stop doing CrossFit at the bottom of the gym oh, and yeah. Um, but she set up her own own box and and that was CrossFit Belltown and um, and I followed her ever since and um, and so it was Nadia who I have to thank for introducing CrossFit to me. Yeah, it's probably changed your life, hasn't it? It it it, it radically has, and I mean now I have um, three young daughters who are I have six year old twins and a and an eight year old, and um, for me my life is all about how can I get the best ROE, which is return on effort. Mm. For me, it's all about how do I get. Um, as strong as I can, as quick as I can, and making the most of everything going on in my life, which is um, part of what I um, firmly believe is important and part of what I do helping executives and leaders make the most and grow their business as fast as they can while living a life that they love. Mm. Oh, You paint such a beautiful picture of it, and I think that's such a great segue into kind of talking about a little bit more what about what you do, Vale. Um, Could you kind of give us the backstory and walk us up to today and, and what you're doing today? Of course, yeah. So I've I've spent um, the whole of my life working in roles where I'm helping businesses grow. I'm helping companies grow faster. I'm helping businesses innovate. And um, four years ago, I launched my own business, and I now um, am an entrepreneur and uh, work for myself, um, speaking at events, advising businesses, and helping executives. 
And prior to that, it was always in the corporate life. So I worked for Xbox and BMW and Land Rover and Amazon and in a variety of different industries. And it allowed me to do my own research about what is it that makes one business really successful and another kind of hop along and another kind of mediocre or fail. You know, why did... BlackBerry lose their lead on being the most used device and then going to like 0.1% market share. What was it that made one company so successful and not another? And the biggest, most painful realization for many people is that it's not the economy. It's not the political landscape. It's not your competition. The biggest influencer on whether a business is successful or not is the leaders. And that's what I help people do is figure that out and help them be more successful by how they lead. Goodness. So you go in and and you basically give people consulting and then help them define the problem and then uh, redefine them into uh, better leaders than they were. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, The biggest thing is, is that many leaders don't have problems. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, many people think, oh, you know, I'm not going to hire anyone because, you know, I'm great. I don't, don't, you know, I don't have any problems that need fixing. And and some people that's true. Some people Mm -hmm. it's not. Mm -hmm. But it's about, you know, even the most successful athletes in the world have coaches. You know, the most successful CrossFit um, athletes all have coaches. And the most successful business leaders also have coaches. And what I see happen is when people reach a certain level of success, they need to make sure that they're looking at what's next and saying, what is possible? And how do I work with people who are going to help me grow my business even faster? Yeah, no, that's a very good point. And I just think it's so interesting that, you know, you were working and and questions started to rise and you really want to figure it out. And now you have your own business and you're consulting people on this. So I guess what kind of led you in the path to become, you know, quote unquote, a leadership expert and to help people in this? You know, maybe what were some big turning points or or lessons learned that help you, you know, uh, become someone that, you can coach other leaders into their biggest, you know, potential that they have. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a really good question, and people often ask me that. And what I found when I was inside corporations is I didn't realize the impact that I was having on other people. And so, um, you know, I was working in Xbox, and I was working in Xbox at the time when um, we had big hardware problems. So sorry for everybody who had an Xbox at the time. And there was this thing called Red Ring of Death, but we had to write off a billion dollars. Oh my goodness to fix the issue. Mm. And we were at the point with Xbox where um, we were really well appealing to 18 to 25 year old white males in North America, but nobody else wanted to buy a product unless they wanted to shoot something or race something on a computer game. And we knew that from a marketing point of view that we had to become broader in our appeal. We had to find a way to uh, break down barriers. And so what I did is I helped Xbox create um, new ideas and create new possibilities of how can we do things differently. And so we created this innovation program um, and there were multiple ideas coming um, around about what could be done. And one of those ideas was um, a camera that you could control um the xbox experience with your voice and with your hands and it turned into the camera connect um which went on to win guinness book of records and um 20 million devices now 
at the time when I was inside the company, I was just busy doing my job and <laughs> executing on what I had to do. But it took a while for me to hear and listen to other leaders around me saying, Val, what you did then was brilliant. What you did really helped us bring together people we wouldn't have typically brought together. And there's ways you have to break rules to come up with different ideas. And I helped put that in place. Now, one of the things I realized, particularly I'm from England, um, you're taught to be humble. You're taught to not shout about your experiences and not ch shout about your results. And what I realized I had to do differently as I moved from being in my corporate life to being um, what I do now is I had to talk about my results more and I had to talk about what I did. So I went back to a lot of the leaders that I work with and said, what was it about what I did that was so helpful for you? Mm. And they would tell me things. And, you know, if you read my bio, my bio is actually written by my clients. They tell me those things. And I say, oh, OK, can I use those in my marketing materials? Thanks. <laughs> because I'm not very good at like talking about my own achievements because um, I'm still getting over that Britishness. But but that's another aspect of what leaders who are really great do is they know what makes them brilliant mm. and they know how to then use that um, to help them be more successful. Yeah, and I remember you saying that when I first met you and talked to you about Nadia herself and saying, you know, what a brilliant uh, person and leader she was because she also knew that she was brilliant. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I remember you saying that to me, and I love that you brought that back up. So, yeah, and yeah. and Vale, I, we've kind of uh, used this word a couple times, but what is leadership? Because I think sometimes people get confused about what it might mean. I would love for you to just define it for us in, in your own words and, and how you go about defining leadership, um, you know, within the world of in business and companies. Yeah, for me, it is the ability to take an idea and figure out how to make money how to grow it, and then most importantly, how you create followership so people come along with you. Yeah. And the followership piece is often missed out. Um, and so what people do is, is they, they focus on the business model and they focus on, okay, this is how I'm going to make money. Or, and they focus on the creative idea of, oh, yeah, this is what my customers will want. But then they forget that um, – even if you get an initial level of excitement, you have to create followership. You know, I describe it like, you know, if, if you have your favorite DJ or your favorite musician, you know, you see the followership happen when you go to a concert, when you, you know, you see them and when you see how they're following their life and their interest and what, what happens. Many leaders um, who are truly great know how to create a followership that goes beyond them where they are the brand. You know, if you take Richard Branson, Richard Branson has this incredible followership and he does silly, crazy things like jump out of hot air balloons and, you know, um, to get attention. And, and, you know, that's part of his brand. Um, but he knows how to create followership and he knows how to um, experiment and try lots of lots of different ideas and so for me that that's what it means um, to to be a great leader and what leadership is yeah I'm kind of curious because I don't think every box owner might be willing to jump out of a hot air balloon <laughs> but what maybe would you say are some of the basics of creating that followership that you could give in terms of advice for you know the, the smaller affiliate owner who might be just trying to build followership within their own business of CrossFit? 
Yeah, absolutely. So the first the first thing is, is you've got to look at yourself and say, who am I? Who am I as a leader, not just in my work life, but in my whole life? And, and, and many people stop and pause there. And I, I work with many executives as an executive advisor. And I was talking to a CEO last week um, of a small company. Um, and, and he was saying, Val, I... I I, I kind of know who I am, but it's not who I truly want to be known for. And I really want to be known for um, this rather than that. And so the first step is know who you are. And then the second part, which is really important, is you have to understand um, what is out there about you as a leader already. Because there is either absolute silence, which is a problem in itself, but there could be um, an impression of you out there that is old, that is historical, that is about your past life. And the first thing people look at when they're trying to decide, um, you know, which um, box they may go join, um, the first thing they'll do is ask someone else. So they'll ask for referrals. They'll ask someone who, who currently goes there. And the second thing they'll do is they'll probably Google you or search on Snap, Instagram, Facebook, call it what you like. Um and, and they'll, they'll take a look at what's out there about you. And so to create followership, first of all, you have to know who you are. Second, you have to look at what is out there. And then thirdly, you have to say, okay, so given that, does the virtual me reflect the real me? And what can I quickly do to m make it mo look more like the person I want to be known for? Yeah. Oh, those are good. I like that. And I think that that paints a picture of how important leadership is in a small business like a CrossFit gym and just how influential it can be to image, branding, uh, you know, your staff, your members and just everything that surrounds your business as a whole. I love that. Yeah. And then, you know, I've, I've um, been to visited and um, have been members of a number of different gyms I moved from Seattle to uh, I live in uh, Pasadena now and um, the box owner or owners um, play such a pivotal part um, because they're part of your family like you spend so long there and you you give so much of your blood sweat and tears um, you 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 have to feel a sense of connection and followership with them and and that they know about you care about you and um want to help you with your fitness goals yeah i know for sure and just with your experience at these different boxes veil vale, are there maybe one or two things that you've noticed that um, maybe box owners can learn from like maybe something you saw you're like well they could really do better at this or um or that when it comes to leadership and leading the business yeah, the, the, the number one um, question that every box owner should ask themselves is, what do I love doing? And how can I do more of it? Yeah, I think that's the number one question we should all ask. <laughs> because many people, the reason that you start CrossFit and the reason you may open a box may mean you are not the best person to run that box. And so when I, I do this with my business clients, as, you know, as well as, you know, when people ask me, people ask me advice is, is you have to figure out when it's time to fire yourself. Mm. Wow. That's, yeah, that's good. What, what are maybe some signs that that time is coming? Well, um, first of all, are, are you having fun and you know, are you enjoying it? You know, a key part of, you know, in my book, it's it's called being thoughtfully ruthless. You've got to 
Be really ruthless and intentional in a thoughtful way with how you manage your time, your energy and your resources. And you have to ask yourself, you know, we spend, you know, I actually currently have three USB chargers on my desk right now. One red, one black and one green. We're so paranoid about keeping our devices charged and that we're never, you know, they're never going to like drop below, you know, heaven forbid if it's in 10% low battery mode and we carry all these charges around us all the time but many times we don't pay enough attention to our own energy levels and so you know I ask people um where where is your battery level right now are are you 100% fully charged or are you at 50 or are you plugged in recharging and and so the the warning signs are are you always in that like low battery zone are you are you are you feeling energized and inspired and loving what you're doing um and if not what is it that's going to top up your energy levels so that you can give what you need to give and sometimes it's um this i i don't love the I don't love the marketing. I don't love the membership management. I don't love the finances. And so that's when you can sometimes say, okay, well, are there other people that I can outsource this to or employ? Or if you have coaches who have expertise in a certain area, can you give them something else to do? Um, or Or perhaps you need to be a silent owner where, you know, the reason you did this is so you could hang out in your own box more often. Well, that's great. Then you hang out and train and get somebody else to run your business if you want to make money, if you want to grow your business, if that's important to you, because for some people it's not. Yeah, no, that's so good. And I love that you brought up your book, uh, Affiliates. I did get a chance to read that. I'll send you guys a link um, within the podcast uh, uh post that's up on our page but I love that you brought up your book and just the term thoughtfully ruthless I've actually you'll find me saying it to some people especially in the gym when they're like oh yeah I didn't get my workouts in because you know work is overwhelming and this and that I'm like well you gotta be thoughtfully ruthless about your exercise time um and I love that that kind of mentality about you know choosing what works for you and 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 making it a priority and like you said be thoughtfully ruthless about your your wellness and and your health on top of you know your career and what you want to do with it I just think that's a great picture Vale. I really do that's great I mean and I I learned that the hard way I learned that the hard way through me getting exhausted myself I mean a key reason why I quit my corporate life is because my greatest memory of growing up was with my um, younger brother, older sister, and my mum on a little beach in Western Supermare in England, oh. and and my mum took summers off, mm. and and I thought with you know at one point I had three kids under the age of two, and and I thought how am I going to recreate that experience for my girls, and I knew I couldn't do that in a full time corporate role, and then I saw all of the possibilities of how I could help more leaders. I wanted to write a book. I wanted to be able to speak more. Um, And so I reinvented my life. And so that's why I now help other, you know, small business owners or um, executives at corporate um, companies do, or when I go to conferences, is I help people see um, there are ways that, that things are more in control than you believe. I don't believe in the word overwhelm. Um, overwhelm assumes that it is out of your control and it's not out of your control you you have choices to make 
Yeah, and some of those choices, Vale, it sounds like, are, you know, as you had said, putting people in the positions that need to be there versus you being in all these positions. And I guess I kind of want to talk about now, you know, instilling leadership within in staff. You know, how do you go about um, helping, you know, leaders who maybe you've already talked to, you mentored, you coached through, how do you help about help them go about instilling that sort of leadership abilities and roles within their own staff? Sure. I mean, it's just like how you coach a deadlift. I mean, you can't teach someone to deadlift by standing there and talking at them or by telling them to go read a book. I mean, it doesn't work. And I am not going to listen to anyone who doesn't pick up the bar and show me how to do it properly. And it's the same in leadership. You have to show them. You know, I've, I've, I've worked for and seen many leaders who tell you one thing and then do something different. Mm-hmm. And that just, that doesn't work. And the biggest um, impact any box owner or any leader can have is you show people how to lead. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you, you said you would put a link on uh, the podcast. Um, if people go to thoughtfullyruthless.com, they can download a free Um, chapter of my book and they can also download an assessment so they can do this fast 30 question assessment and they can see what parts of their leadership um, as it relates to their time their energy and their resources um, and they can see how um, they can potentially where their strengths are and what they can focus on um, to rapidly create more time, boost their energy and make the most of their resources around them. And those questions themselves may trigger some insights for your listeners that may be helpful. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great, Val. No, that's awesome to hear that you have the assessment, you know, ready to go up on on the site and affiliates. I encourage you to take that and just understand, you know, not only what in your business could be better, but what in your life too, because I think that's one of the important takeaways is, is this concept of leadership and, and being thoughtfully ruthless isn't just about business and, and bettering the business, but also just bettering your life and, and, and living the life that you want to live. I mean, Vale, I think it's great that, you know, you changed it and you just, you just did something different. And I think that can be true of the affiliate. So yeah, no, for sure. And, um, I guess when it comes to building those other leaders in the business, uh, what are maybe some things you've seen work and things you've seen haven't work in terms of, you know, putting people in place and, and maybe it not working or putting people in place and having it be successful? Uh, maybe through your own experience or, or other leaders you've seen grow within um, companies that you've helped. Yeah, I, th- I think the important thing is, to, first of all, to have really honest conversations. Mm. And this gets to the ruthlessness um, of being a great leader is being able to give people really direct feedback is the most precious gift anyone can give anybody. And where I see people who are performing really well um get the most out of the leaders around them it's because they follow what I call this triple a of learning which is you ask you accept and then you apply and so if you readily ask for feedback or ask what you could be doing differently or ask your employees what do they want to be doing differently um, where do they want to grow themselves do they want to be a coach forever or do they want their own box one day If you then accept what they say and then you say, okay, how can I apply this? If you follow those three steps, you will really help people grow. And I think one of the the most taboo or contentious conversations that does or doesn't happen in boxes is 
you know, when one of your coaches goes and sets up a rival box. Now, some people would view that as a slight, as a, you know, well, this is terrible. But um, other people would say, well, that's great because I'm creating, I'm creating other leaders. I'm creating other people who can go and do what they love, can go and create their own business. And, you know, I, I met Greg Glassman um, back in Seattle a few years ago. And, and I, I asked him the question, you know, is there ever a point where you get to capacity in a city? And he said, far from it, because even if there was a box on every corner, what you then have is more people who love CrossFit, <laughs> doing CrossFit, telling people about CrossFit. So more people need capacity to go to a CrossFit gym. And so and, and what it creates is this tension of, well, maybe the box owners need to really pay attention to their members to make sure that they want to stay with them and not go to the next box that opens up. But having those really frank conversations with your coaches, I know many people shy away from. I know many people don't want it to happen or when it does happen, it then ruins a friendship of 10 years when it doesn't need to. It doesn't need to if you're having these honest conversations of how do you want to grow? How can you contribute to my business while you're here and how can I help you better create a life that you love those conversations create a level of commitment and followership that is is it's hard to break yeah and I think the important part of that question those questions that you were asking uh is that it's focused on the other person and not yourself and not what can you give me and what can you do while you're here for my box but instead what can I do for you to help better you. I love that. So um, also, Vale, I'm just kind of curious, how did you learn to have the frank conversations? Like, was that something that you just had to practice? I mean, is it something that came naturally? How how did you go about learning that honesty is the best policy? That's a really good question. Um, I've always been direct. And I have found I used to stand out by being direct. And also, I can't help myself. I can't bite my tongue very well. <laughs> my friends will tell me that. You know, I, do, I, I do think it's a good thing. It's a good thing that you share. <laughs> I can't help myself. And, and I warn people. And, you know, before people hire, hire me, I tell them what, what they're going to get. And, and, but it's what, it's what people want. And so I guess I have always had it. There have been times when I've been in companies that haven't appreciated it. And honestly, I've left there really fast. Mm. And I haven't, it hasn't stopped me from being who I am. And what I have found is that many people sit on their hands and bite their tongue and hesitate far more than people saying things they regret. And so often I will, you know, leaders um, will say to me, oh, Val, I should have said, you know, you're sitting in a meeting or you're having a conversation or and then you have, um, you know, uh, the post worry of, oh, I should have said this. I should have said that. And because people aren't in the moment or saying what they really think. Um, And so um, I've always had it. And then where it's not worked for me, I've quickly got out of there. And um, but I found that people value it because many, particularly when people get to a certain level of success, um, you have to surround yourself with people who will tell you the truth. Yeah, no, and I wish we could all tell the truth all the time. That sometimes would be nice that we all wouldn't just walk on eggshells all the time around each other. So, (laughs) well, I I view it like a pendulum. I don't know whether you want to go to 100% full truth, um, no filter, but 
many people can at least swing that pendulum 20% of the way and it will really help a lot of people around them and it will help them help them in their business. Yes. No, that's, that's a good point. You're right. We don't maybe want to share everything on our minds, but <laughs> we do maybe want to do about 80% because you're right. It can be very helpful. So, and kind of off of that, Val, I'm kind of curious to know what are maybe some of the, the biggest mistakes you've seen leaders learn, um, leaders ha- make, you know, in the companies that you've been a part of consulting and, and in the different businesses that you've seen, but what are maybe some of the top three mistakes that you would suggest affiliates try avoiding, um, in terms of leadership and leading their business well? Yeah, of course. And so the number one, um, that I see time and time again, regardless of the size of business, regardless of the industry is that, leaders get stuck in what I call the 30-day danger zone. Hmm. And it's this strong gravitational magnetic pull that takes you to the here and now. Your current clients, your current inbox, your current Slack channel, Twitter feed, Facebook feed, whatever it might be, it's the here and now. And um, I always ask um, people when I start working with them, if you were to think of like this horizontal line of, you know, zero on one side and then 30 days and then going over to six months, one year, two year, where do you spend most of your time? Is it in the, you know, the next 30 days or do you spend time thinking about six months time? Do you spend time thinking about one year, two years? And everybody always points over to the, you know, the immediate and the here and now. And it, it's a top mistake I see people make because they don't spend time thinking about where do they want their business to go? What do they want their box to look like? Do they want to open multiple boxes? How do they want to grow? What type of programs do you want to offer in a year? Um, what might you want to do differently? Do you want to offer kids programs? Do you want to offer a mobility? How do you want to think about what your business is going to look like in the future? And then therefore, do you have the team in place now? Do you, are you going to grow them? Are you going to go hire people? Hiring people brings a whole different capacity and you're going to um, bring in interns. How, how are you going to think about how, you, how your box grows? And so um, that's the number one mistake I see people make is, is they are not spending the time on the longer term. The, the second um, mistake I see people making is that people don't give themselves silence and um, I actually wrote about this in my newsletter last week is, you know, my one of my um, most painful and great pieces of feedback I had was when I was uh, sat in a meeting and one of my team members just went, shush. At me. <laughs> and I said, pardon. And she said, shush. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, I just need a moment to think. <laughs> and at that point, I realized I'd failed her as her leader. I ha- I was, we were acquiring companies, we were growing, we were doing all these crazy things and, and I completely overwhelmed her. And it was the greatest piece of feedback I had because I realized I wasn't giving her time and space to think. And now what I realize and what I implemented with the teams I managed afterwards and now when I help people is, is that you have to create that silence. You have to find your quiet place, that you're away from distractions so that you can think and you can recharge. And I, I rarely see people easily do that um, and, until I 
until I start helping them, giving them that permission. And and so that's number two is that there's not enough time. Um, people don't allocate enough time to silence. Um, and then the third mistake I see people making, particularly as um, they go through their career and they may try different um, careers or they may become more and more successful, is people don't change their inner circle of advisors. And many of them have passed their expiry date. And so I'd encourage your listeners to to think about if you had a challenge, you know, you're just about to make a really big investment or a big business decision or something's come up that's, you know, you want some advice on who would you call? Who are those people in your inner circle that you call? And would they return your call really quickly and give you really solid, candid advice? And what you have to do as you go through your career and you go through your life is you have to keep upgrading. You have to keep upgrading the people who are around you. And sometimes you've got to divorce your friends. And so the mistake I see is people hang on to their previous inner circle and don't surround it with their aspirational peers and people who are going to truly help them um, with where their business is now and where they want to get to in the future. Is that sort of like your, your most like the five people you hang around with the most? Not necessarily. That's, that also is important, is, is who do you have fun with? And sometimes you've got to divorce, divorce some of your friends. Because um, <laughs> you're not having fun with them. <laughs> because they're energy zappers. They're, they're energy zappers. I was talking to a, um, an executive the other week, and I was you know, asking him about um, you know, how he spends his social time. Um, and, and we were talking about this because he read a piece of my book. And, and he said, I wish, I wish you'd tell my wife because you know, I really don't have fun with you know, the friends that we've been friends with for 20 years. And I'd really like to connect and try, you know, learning about this or that. And, and, and so friends can be energy zappers, but who's, who's on your advisory board? I mean, every affiliate owner could have a, an advisory board of people who can help them, who can, who can hold them accountable for their business goals, their longer term strategy. They they can have these people who are, who are helping them grow. And as small, you know, as small business owners, it's kind of lonely. It's it's lonely running a business um, with um, with unless you have that level of support. Yeah, I feel like you understand that now, don't you, Val? Being an entrepreneur, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Goodness, well, and, and kind of off of that point too, in terms of growth and 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 how they can become better leaders. What would you recommend? Maybe are some uh, practical applicable things affiliates can do today within the next week in the next month uh, in terms of becoming a better leader you know as a sitting a process even reading a certain book uh, maybe thoughtfully ruthless I don't know plug and uh, or maybe something else uh, what would you say is maybe some next practical applicable steps affiliates can take yeah the number one is know where your business is going number two is pay attention to where you are currently using your own time, energy, and resources. And what can you do to invent more time, boost and keep up your energy levels, and make the most of the resources around you? And and number three, end end each day reflecting on what you've achieved. Yeah, those are good. So some serious self-evaluation affiliate could be in yeah. order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, for sure. Awesome. 
Well, Val, I think I've picked your brain quite a bit, and we've been all across the board. Any other maybe leadership tips, advice, um, overarching things that you'd like to share, give um, in terms of you know small business owners and leadership and success? Yes. Stop creating lists. Pick one thing and do it. <laughs> I like it. And, and then like move it. on. Yes. Too often we crave more and create lists and do more and, and feel overwhelmed because we're doing all this. Just no. Just take one thing that has inspired you to action from our conversation today and implement it. And then when you've implemented it, pick another. I love it. That is probably the best call to action ever. So you guys hear that? One. Just pick one thing. That's all you have to do for today. And then just go do it. So Awesome. Well, Vale, seriously, thank you so much for just taking the time to sit down, uh, share your expertise, share your story, um, and just kind of break down what it is to be a leader and how to become a better leader. Uh, I think you gave some real great advice, and I'm so glad that you were on Box Talk today. Seriously, thank you very, very much. You're welcome. It was great talking with you. Thank you.